one and only Ernie <laughs> McCronut <laughs> coming to us live from Vermont because you have moved out of Texas to I Vermont. Now, yes, I um, have come to the land of uh, no spring. It doesn't exist here. And everybody is uh, in Austin in their bathing suits, you know, hanging out, drinking mm -hmm. beers. And uh, I am loading up the wood stove still because it is so cold. And I live like... <laughs> <laughs> My life is like Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, but, you are Laura Ingalls. But with more snow. <laughs> it's like you're um, the li currently living like the real life version of the Oregon Trail. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to get diphtheria. And uh, it's like you're living in a different time, like the 18th century, maybe the 19th right. century. Um, we're not sure. But you, you like live... In so far in the woods now that yes. I, I can't believe we're actually in contact. I thought I was going to have to send a pigeon courier to <laughs> send messages. <laughs> Those also work if, you know, whatever you prefer. I was going to send so, my best cutter pigeon to send. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to buy shirts. So I think I'm going to get shirts for all of, all of the gutter pigeons out there. And I think um, I want to design a T-shirt um, like gutter pigeon pack. And like, I, I definitely want them. a t-shirt. Yeah. I'm forever a gutter pigeon. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying really hard, but it just seems my, you can take the pigeon out of the gutter, but you she can't, can't take, take the, the gutter, gutter out of the pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Like a few months ago, um, I'm a dove now <laughs> upgrading. <laughs> One day I will be a swan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've gone from gutter pigeon to, um, I would say that maybe I'm just like, uh, like one of those birds that drinks out of puddles. Um, <laughs> and what is like a little bit, a little bit more, like I live in a tree now. I don't live in the gutters. Um, that's the progression of my life. Anyways, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about we wanted to do like a leadership episode and, and get your take on on how to be a good leader in the workplace um, and how to use that in your career, you know, how to develop leadership skills, how to implement leadership um, techniques in the workforce, whatever your job is, there's always going to be a leader. And why not let it be you? Because I think leaders have... Um, you know, a much better chance of making it to the highest rungs of the corporate ladder or entrepreneurship or whatever you do. If you're a leader, you're more likely to get where you want to go. And so it's important and it's important to have good leaders. We have a lot of bad leaders in the <laughs> world. Um, I don't want to name names, but there's a few examples in the United States alone. Does it rhyme with schmald, schmump? <laughs> 
there's a lot of bad leaders, just shit leaders. And so we need good leaders in the world. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about this. But first, like, let's get an update on your life. How's it going? Uh, Things are great. So I'm here in Vermont. Like I said, it's pretty cold. We are thinking about purchasing land, which is this whole new process of like just the fundamentals of life. And oh, like we need a septic tank, like your poop needs to go somewhere. And Mm -hmm. then you also need some water and power. And we're trying to live off the grid. And uh, are you like, I, I feel like you're, are you like a hippie? Like you've gone from hipster to full hippie, I feel like your next step is like you're going to be like having like um, like uh, ayahuasca meetings and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to become a shaman. Um, <laughs> maybe a Sherpa because you live the, near the mountains. The opportunities are, are endless for sure. But, but okay, as I'm going through this whole process, I thought about um, the time that we struck oil. And I really want to just... <laughs> I want to elaborate on this because as we're talking about septic tanks, Kyle, uh, my fiance, is was explaining to me what a leach field was and how the whole septic tank will drain and then there needs to be a leach field and that kind of like dilutes the, the poop. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that reminded me of the time when we were kids and we were in grandma's backyard and she, you had must have been learning about like well, the you know, oil. I'll just say I was an explorer. As a a child, I had a very vivid imagination, which I think has served me well in my adult life. I am a daydreamer. I am uh, constantly making like stories up in my head, which... (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, Katie decides to tell me that um, she has struck oil and she is very, very excited. So I join in and I am also excited. One, I have no idea what it means to strike oil or why that is beneficial in any way. Liquid gold, baby. Liquid gold. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't know that at the time because I was probably like five and I think you were like seven. So I just join you and we struck gold. We were going to be rich. And I just remember you saying that we're going to be rich. We're going to be rich. (laughs) And then grandma comes out of the house screaming at us to get out of the leech field because we are literally jumping around in sewage. (laughs) that <laughs> we struck oil at grandma's uh, and then we had to take yeah. like an oatmeal bath because we were just disgusting um yeah well everybody makes <laughs> mistakes and i really just i've always wanted to be rich <laughs> and that started at a young age when i was um in the woods of massachusetts looking for oil and um found sewage so yes um, anybody can make that mistake. Um, <laughs> um, but how are you? How are things going on your end? What's new with your uh, life? Great. I have an ebook coming out uh, April 29th on Amazon. So Woo-hoo. we're going to finish up editing that and get that out on April 29th. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. Uh, and you should. It's called the Get It Together Financial Guide, an easy-to-follow roadmap for aimless wanderers, which we all are. Um so, you know, I'm, I, I kind of do a lot of stuff to like promote the book I already have out and like promote my new book and stuff. So my friend in Atlanta has a web series called Crafts and Drafts with Kirsten, and you should check it out. It's, it's really good. It's really funny. So basically, the premise of the show 
is to, uh, so you drink a beer, like a craft beer with her, and she talks about the beer and what brewery it's from. And she does like a lot of, um, uh, she plugs a lot of uh, local Atlanta breweries, which is really cool. So, um, and then you do a craft and she, she picks the craft ahead of time and, um, and you do it and while you're doing the craft, you talk about, you know, your projects and things you've got going on and stuff. And she brings, you know, she has a different guest on every week. And, and so she invited me on and I was really excited. Um, one, because I love beer and two, um, <laughs> you know, it was a chance for me to talk about my, my books and stuff and, uh, hang out with my friend except, okay. So I had, I had to be in Atlanta for like really early that the morning that we were going to film. And so I was like, Hey, uh, is there any chance we, we could start filming this at like 10 in the morning? And cause I had to get back, take my dog out, things like that. And so I couldn't, I couldn't be there later in the day. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, you know, 10s early to drink beer, but, um, <laughs> we'll do uh, it. she accommodated me. And, um, and so we started, I went, we started filming at 10 AM and she's like, Hey, we're going to drink this. Ironmonger, which is a really cool uh, brewery in Marietta, Georgia. Um, she's like, we're going to drink there. I think it's called the Anvil, which is a double IPA. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, cool. No problem. She had poured it into a little glass and we started filming. And, you know, she we, she does like an, the interview portion first and then you do the craft second. And um, I swear to God, by the time we got to the craft portion of the filming, like I was legitimately you were drunk. too drunk, and I and it's <laughs> and she like sent me a screenshot last night of my face like working on this craft, and she's like, "This is going to be the funniest episode." I'm like, I have <laughs> no idea what I even said. So basically, like, I'll, what what uh, when I'm you know th- reflecting back on this on this web series interview that I did with her. Um, which at the towards the end it was like noon so we filmed for a couple hours and and we had basically been drinking the whole time and by noon she starts asking me questions about my book and I just remember starting off with like a really (laughs) coherent answer and then losing like track of what I was saying (laughs) and so just just making stuff up (laughs) and I um I like legitimately was like slurring my words at the end. <laughs> and so after we filmed, I was like, okay, like I, yeah, I'm not going to drive or anything. So we uh, went and got Mexican food, which was amazing. And like, then I, you know, I was like drinking water and stuff. And finally I was like, okay, like I came back to, um, but it was at 10 in the morning. So I'm really excited for this to come out next week because um, I was legitimately drunk for 90% of the interview. That's awesome. And the craft I did, I think it came out okay, but it probably I've not. never been good at crafts, so Me neither. Me neither. It's like I one think, creative thing that I just cannot I cannot do. I think people always kind of assumed I would be because I dance and so they're like, "Oh, she's probably good at all art forms," but like, nope, <laughs> I'm terrible. I remember mom kept uh something that was supposed to look like resemble a bell, but um it was like a, a it was like horn shaped and she kept it just to make fun of me and she would show like <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking would, about. They'd bring over, they she'd be like, "Have you seen Aaron's bell sculpture?" <laughs> Cuz it was so bad and she did it to make fun of me. It was really nice. I made a cat once. <laughs> cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, it was the, the you know how they make you do uh 
like pottery and stuff when you're in elementary yeah. school. Yeah, I made a cat. It actually, I'm not going to lie, came out great. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been a sculptor. But other than that, like, I have no talent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a good segue into leadership. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a talentless hack, which is actually how I feel like 90% of my life. I'm a talentless hack who's just faking it till I make it. Make it till you make it. And, but you learn along the way. And that's the most important part, important part because you have to learn from your mistakes. Yes. And once you learn from it and move forward, you have to be humble enough to recognize that you're not perfect. And I think the fake it till you make it motto kind of rings true to that too. So I wanted to talk about leadership because leadership is so, is just so important and you're in a new job. So it's hard to be yeah. a leader at first. Um, you know, it's like, you kind of have to find your way. You got to meet the different personalities that you're going to be working with. Um, you have to kind of not change who you are, but kind of tailor how you lead, um, to fit the new team that you're a part of. Do you kind of, have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I have. And I'm finding that the, the leaders at my school, I'm trying to find what qualities they have. So that way I can reflect those qualities or um, I can know what they're looking for in a leader. So um, what I'm finding is that the leaders at my school are the most involved. They're, um, you know, putting on new programs for the kids. They're thinking they're innovators They're thinking of new ideas They're testing them out. Um, They're advocating for the school and, um, and, and for the benefit of the school and for the students. And I I find that the people who have their hands in, in multiple areas and are looking into after school clubs and teaching and supporting and mentors and the more they get involved, um, you know, the better position they hold because they're, um, they know, they, they know the entire school and what it, it encompasses and mm-hmm. what it's all about. So yeah, that's one quality that I've, I've thought about is really, you know, putting your 110% in and, and getting, you know, diving in head first and getting involved. Yeah. And so my work situation is obviously a lot different than yours because I don't work with a ton of people. I work with myself. Um, and it's me, myself and I, and I have, you know, my clients and, and, um, people that I work with like on a contract basis. Um, and, but I still think that for me, leadership and leadership skills are important because not only do I have to lead myself, um, but I have to lead clients and lead people that I work, uh, with, even if it's on a contractual basis. Um, and people need to trust that you are a good leader. So right. you need to have enough confidence in your leadership skills so that people can have confidence in you. Yeah. And so like, I love studying, um, leadership and, you know, how can I be a better example for others? And I think a lot of that, again, for me, in, in, instead of like, you know, uh, diving in like you work in an educational setting um i think for me it's diving into uh things in the community that i want to be a part of and being a part of causes that are important and and showing my leadership skills in that way um and then i was like kind of researching i found a really good article about uh how women in particular and i think this is important because i think as we know like of the top 100, the Fortune 500 companies, there, I think it's like 3% of uh, women are CEOs. Like it's really just ridiculously small. And we have a lot of women right. now. It's almost half like 
of women are, um, we have people in managerial positions, director positions, but when you get to the tippity top, the very highest levels of leadership, there's still a lot of room for growth, um, room for women to um, really assert themselves and, and gain more power. And I think that's so important. Um, so this article in Inc. had a few what you know tips on what women can do to have more influence in the workplace and better their career prospects. Uh, and the f- number one thing they said was to think bigger and aim higher. And I think that's so true because I think complacency kills careers. Uh, I think, and that happens to I would say men and women, ninety percent of them uh, get very complacent in their careers. Well, I think it becomes comfortable, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, your solid income, you know, the job, you know, what's expected of you and it's, it's easy and it's comfortable. And I think, um, yeah, it's hard for people to push themselves to go to that next level. Right. Right. And so when you start to think, okay, why haven't I gotten a promotion in five years? Why haven't I gotten a raise? Why haven't I've been, you know, why haven't I been considered for this, that, or the other thing? Are you thinking big enough? Are you aiming high enough? And have you let others know your intention? And, and I've always heard work for the job you know, you want, not the job you have. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, you need to, you know, embody what you want to become. And the second thing they say is develop your executive presence. And they say this isn't just like dressing well. This isn't looking sharp and put together. It's a lot more than that. It's do you respond confidently? Are you concise and clear in your communication? Do you carry yourself well? Um, have a, do you have a good demeanor? Um, do you keep cool under pressure? Do you stay calm? Um, and it's really physically acting the part. And I think right. that's, I think that's hard for women too. I think our body language sometimes is, um, we like kind of make ourselves small um, because there's all that stigma with like women who assert themselves and, and assert dominance. Um, it comes off as you're a bitch and it comes off as um, who the hell does she think she is? But right. Mediocre white guys do it all the time. <laughs> Just <laughs> carry yourself well. Um, and exactly. the, the third one was uh, they call it career s- scaffolding. And it's like, do you, do you build, have you built a network to help yourself? Have you, are you surrounding yourself with people who are going to help lift you up? And are you lifting others up? It's not just about you. It's about you lifting others and creating this right. scaffolding to help you help lift you up. Um, you know, relationships are the most important part of, uh, building your career, um, and being a good leader, because it's, it's not just about being the smartest person in the room. It's not about being the hardest work person, uh, the hardest working person in the room. It's about the person who can, um, get the most out of others. And that's through good relationships. And that's the foundation of the school that I work at. It is a therapeutic school and they focus on relationships. And um, our biggest thing is getting kids involved in the community and getting internships and going to the library. And, um, you know, less crimes are committed when a person feels in some way connected to the community, connected to whoever, and you can lift each other up and support each other. And um, it it really just results in a, a better life in general if you know how to build relationships and maintain relationships and to get involved. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the fourth thing they say is that uh, you can't be afraid of feedback. So uh, you got to be coachable. And I think this, this is huge. And I think this is, I think for me, probably one of my strengths, um, because I spent my whole life. And I, I think probably the same for you because you grew up dancing and in dance classes. And I grew up at, at practice, whether it was whatever sport it was. Um, right. I think that it's great that I learned how to be coachable. And I think, and I was constantly criticized, but yeah. I knew that that was because my teacher wanted me to be better and not because I was a, you know, a really crappy dancer or something like that, but only because I could still be better and, and to be able to take that and absorb it and know that you still are decent at what you're doing, but you can improve. Right. And I think, uh, you know, you don't have to take unsolicited bullshit criticism you know, that's, that's one thing. But if you, if, if, if it's coming from someone you respect, um, and you know, you want their feedback, um, to be able to absorb that and learn a lesson from it is one of the greatest, um, I guess, characteristics of a leader. And also you should proactively seek feedback. Don't, let it be a reactive thing, proactively ask people for their feedback. Um, I, I, I did that with a few people like on my book. I, you know, consult with other writers on, um, you know, Which what, what can I do better? Piece. Oh, it's awful. It's so awful. It's so, I, I don't particularly like it, but no. I know if I'm going to be better, if I'm going to be the best that I can be, it's, it's something you have to do. Um, with that being said, uh, I think there's a difference between someone who's asking you for feedback and then just giving feedback to people when they don't ask for it. And if you don't really know what you're talking about, this happens to me a lot as a female writer, I will say this. And I've thought about writing it, but like, I don't want to like, then I was like, I don't want to offend people. But so I have a very niche demographic of who I'm trying to target. And it's it's right. generally women between the ages of 18 and 35. Um, and that's who I write for, particularly. And I um, get a lot of feedback that I've asked for from, from other writers, from editors, from um, other uh, entrepreneurs and other financial planners. Um, those are the people that I look for feedback because they, they understand what I'm trying to accomplish. What I have a really, and they're knowledgeable in and, the field. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. And they have yeah. um, bits of information that I really, um, you know, I, I respect what they know and what they can teach me. On the other hand, as a female who puts herself out on the internet, I get a <laughs> ton of unsolicited feedback. And I know a lot of other people do have this problem as well. And I get a lot of people telling me, you should do this. You should write that. You should write for this, this group. You should write for that group. You should, uh, tailor your business to this, this group or that group or this, that and the other thing. And I, it drives me nuts. And I, I struggle with that. But instead of becoming super angry, usually what happens is I'll become like, like, I'll say some choice words under my breath and then go for a run to like shake it off. Um, I, I think that uh, if you can develop a thick skin and know that you're going to get unsolicited feedback and just I, learn how to shake it, it off. You were pumped for your first hater. Cause you're like, 
look at people are trolling my page. Like I know that I've like relatively successful because I mean, people are looking at it enough to hate it, Yeah, (laughs) which is, you know, a sign that people are actually, you know, invested in it. Yeah. And so I think my, what I'm trying to say is like, my advice is if you're in a, in a field or in a, um, especially like a creative field or something like writers, actors, whatever it is, if you're creating something, um, and you're looking for feedback, you have to learn how to filter the feedback. So take, ask for and take the feedback from the people. Surround yourself with a group of, um, you know, of trusted professionals who you really want to learn from. And then the rest of the feedback you get, you, you can't let it upset you. And I think that I, I did that for a very long time because I kept getting the same feedback from the same people in my not who were not even close to my target demographic or not even close to one of the trusted professionals that I consult with regularly. And I would get really upset by it and be like, who do they think they are? They, they don't understand. It was more me just being upset. They don't understand what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, right. So you have to learn how to just say, because they missed the mark. Doesn't yeah, mean exactly, that. Exactly. And you say, okay, thanks. And then filter it out, filter it out. Um, and then, you know, don't, and and if you can set some boundaries, say, listen, like I'm consulting with people I trust already, unless I ask specifically ask for your feedback, do not give it to me. If you can do that, that'd be great. But if you can't just learn how to filter out the good feedback from the bad feedback. And I think along with feedback, um, I I mean, obviously being able to accept feedback is mm-hmm. the first step and mm-hmm. not get defensive. They're not angry at you. They're trying to teach you and, right. to, and to come from that place where I think sometimes immediately people are like, my boss yelled at me and he told me to like, was he yelling at you or was he just trying to talk to you about how to do something differently? Right. So um, not to get defensive over it, but yeah, know, know who to accept it from, but don't take it personally. And, right. and know that there's always somebody better and there's always somebody worse. So you are not a terrible person, teacher, leader, you know, financial planner, comedian, whatever. You're not the, you know, terrible at it. However, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. And if you're not striving for, you know, that higher bar, then I, you know, you're going to come flat. But I think <laughs> that, I think that's be- a huge problem in America itself right now is that we think, oh, we're the best, we're the best, we're the best, we're the best, we're the best in the world at everything. And so that doesn't leave any room for growth. And that doesn't leave any room for improvement. If you have go in, if you, we Americans tend to think, well, we're the best in the world. Okay, but how did we become the best in the world? It's because we were open to feedback, open to growth, open to education, open to learning. And you have to have that mindset in order to maintain a top position, in order to maintain your leadership status. You have to be willing to continue to get better. And that sometimes means um, hearing things you don't want to hear and learning um, how you are flawed and imperfect and your work and accepting could be better. And accepting that the education system isn't working and that there's actually yeah. other schools and, and areas in other countries that are a lot oh, smarter we could, than we, we could do are, a deep so. dive. We could do a deep dive into this. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Good Lord. I know. And um, so quickly, just wanted to speak on um, leadership and how people can improve. Tony Robbins. <sighs> Okay. You used to like him too. I'm sorry. Yeah. Gotta so, say it, but so ugh. here's what I have to say about that. If you didn't see it, um, Tony Robbins basically 
did some victim blaming this this past week or whatever. I don't know. He was speaking in San Jose at one of his ridiculously overpriced conferences. And he was he's, you know, he's a life coach. He's a world famous life coach. He's literally consulted with like every president, world leaders, Oprah. I mean, you name it. He's worked with some of the top CEOs in the world. Um, he's very influential, very powerful very wealthy. Um, and he and he helps bring out the best in people, whatever. But basically what happened is a woman had called him out on um, kind of victim blaming the women of like the Me Too movement. And yeah, because he, he made this whole speech about the Me Too movement. Well, he said women Did are you? using it to make themselves significant, which is just right. tripping with misogyny. Um, and I just had a huge problem with it. He said, well, women, if they did this, if they did that, you know, they, they're using anger and they're, they'll never get anywhere with that. And, uh, and I, what about them? And then he used this example of like how now powerful men won't hire attractive women, if even if she's the most qualified, because they're nervous. And it's like, okay, first of all, do men literally not have the capability to just keep it in their pants? Like, is that just not possible? <laughs> Are men not physically capable of handling themselves around an it's, attractive it's woman? It's kind of like that the school policy where you, you can't show your cleavage or your bra straps because it might be distracting to boys. It's that same concept that like females like. Why are are we always catering to men? Why are we always catering to men? Why are we always catering to men? Yeah. Like, oh, oh I, we can't show, I can't show my bra strap because it might be distracting to Tommy's education. Well, Tommy well, can go fuck himself because I'm, I'm trying to learn too, Tommy. Tommy, you need to learn how to not get a boner. Like, for, <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, why is it always the women's job to police male thoughts? Right. And it drives me friggin' up a tree. And what Tony Robbins said was wrong. And it, it's disappointing because, you know, I've, I've, we were talking about it before. Um, I've read a, a few Tony Robbins books and I actually just read one when I was on vacation. And a lot, I, I like a lot of what he says because a lot of it is based in psychology and actual like scientific, um, it has like a lot of scientific evidence behind what he's saying. And it's so not like a lot of, I don't know, bullshit or whatever, but at the same, and you know, and I've learned some good, good leadership techniques and, and things that'll help me in my career. But at the same time, like he's speaking from such a place of, I'm going to say it. And I, I, I'm going to say it. He's speaking from a place of white male privilege. Yeah. And to blame women like that who have been abused and assaulted and raped to, to blame them and to say the me too movement is just their way of trying to be significant, I think is just fucking atrocious. Did he miss the part where like a big portion of the me too movement was anonymous and nobody was trying to actually say like, I know. it was just their story and it wasn't like, and Hey, this is me. When are men going to hold themselves accountable? They're not. That's what I, I I put on that on Twitter yesterday. I was like, my favorite mythical creature is an accountable man. Like it doesn't, they don't exist. It's somehow the, it's, why is it the woman's, like, why is a pretty face, her pretty face is the reason he can't hire you, even though you're the most qualified candidate. Do you want me to go get a reverse nose job and a reverse boob job? And like, do you want me to, I did okay, I should make it clear I haven't had a boob job or a nose job, but like, if I, you know what I mean? I'm saying like, if I, yeah, like if, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't understand. Could you just be more unattractive so you're more hireable. That's I, ridiculous. Okay, first of all, 
I would say I'm an average looking human. Um, well, I'm going to say this. My, so my dad, our dad, um, he has, a, he once told me that nine out of 10 human beings are unattractive. And, <laughs> and I have to say, um, in my travels, he is right. Um, I can also say uh, it rings true in Vermont. <laughs> and that it male, female, non-binary, I don't care what you are, um, <laughs> nine out of ten people are not attractive. <laughs> and this has nothing to do with anything I was saying before. I just think that it's important to, to point out that um, I just... I don't know what I completely lost track of what I was saying. I, it just hit me because we were talking about everybody's attractive ugly, people. So the one attractive person yeah. shouldn't suffer for everybody else. I know that's crazy to think, but I was going to say how I am an, of average attractiveness. Um, I would say I, I tell people normally that I'm like a six in Boston, a four in New York and a 2.5 in LA. And, <laughs> and I think that's generous. Um, but anyways, I would never want my looks to be, a reason I was considered for or not considered for a position that I am fully qualified for. First of all, that's against the law. Right. <laughs> I mean, you cannot discriminate based on how someone looks. I no. mean, unless you're unless, going for a modeling job. you're at Abercrombie and Fitch or those um, or places going... because they consider you a model. Yeah. And so they can hire based off of looks. looks or appearance. But that is only because they specify that they're looking for a model. Yeah. And, and like if you're going for a certain, like if you're an actor or something and you're going for a role that calls for you to look a certain way, like, you know what I mean? And even then it's like we have way too many pretty people in Hollywood. We need more average looking people to make it real. Um, anyways, but like other than that, like there's no reason why the most qualified candidate shouldn't get the job. I I completely agree. I, and, and it blows my mind that that actually happens. And then there's people who defend it. They're like, well, yeah, she would be, you know, we'd be nervous or we'd be distracted or we'd be. And I'm like, okay, are you that much of an unprofessional mm -hmm. that you don't have the best interest of your business or your job because there's an attractive person around you? Like, are you really that? vulnerable to women that are in you know you're that insecure with what you do in your profession and, you are worried about an attractive female that's yeah, and a tony, bad place tony robbins constantly preaches about controlling your life you are in control of your life with the choices that you make so you have a choice to inappropriately engage with a woman or not you have that choice make the right choice it's not that Was hard in the same regard, I mean, why aren't we talking about that in regards to men, too? Do you think that, you know, if there's an attractive male in the place that there are females out there that are like, oh, no, we can't hire this hot dude because we might not be able to get our work done around here. <laughs> like, well, what? The lady parts are tingling. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not a thing. I wouldn't be like, wow, yeah, he's He's too good looking. We should probably not look at his credentials because yeah. of our distraction. Be like, hello. Yes. Hi, Mr. Tom. Um, I would love to hire you, but your blue eyes, have, <laughs> they have cut through my soul. <laughs> just too I much. Just, it makes I, me nervous. It makes me nervous. It makes me worried about what I'm going to do to you. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't have you around. It's not. It's not fair to my lovers. It's just so ridiculous. 
<laughs> like, come well, on. The, when a man says it, it's like, oh, yeah, he might have a point. <laughs> no. Like, did oh. you see the hamstrings on him? <laughs> and, I, I mean, I guess it's instinct for, you know, males to be attractive, attracted to whatever. Oh, excuse and me, it, human it, beings are attracted to each other, male, which, female. And like, it general. doesn't matter. You don't think, like, would, guys think they're the, the only ones that are attracted to people? Like, are you kidding? Like women are constantly attracted to men. And I mean, like, what is this? Do women not have sexual urges either? Cause um, I don't know about you, but like, I mean, it's normal. Right. And, and to have the expectation that like, if women were to act on that, they'd be like the office slut, but men yeah. can't even hire women yeah. to be, because it would be a distraction. You know what? You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to burn. Tony Robbins books that I own um I'm gonna throw them in the fire and that's a choice that you are making it's a choice that I am making and you know what it's it's one thing like I bought my Tony Robbins books I buy like sometimes when libraries have sales I'll go to the libraries and, and pick up some books and stuff actually there's a um, your nerd, your nerd is showing. Hide it. Hide it. <laughs> well, I like me time. <laughs> I like to go to the library sales to buy dollar books. Um, so in, I think it's in Grafton, Vermont, where um, we went to a wedding last year. Yeah. Uh, they had a, just the most quaint, adorable oh my gosh. Um, library sale of all Indeed. time. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a chance to do that this summer, I think you should visit Grafton, Vermont and go pick, your, pick out yourself some new books. Anyways, um, yeah, so I love I love going to pick up cheap books, used books, things like that. I think they need a home, and <laughs> and so that's save where I've books. gotten save the books. So that's where I've gotten a lot of my books, and um, you know, and, and a lot of Tony Robbins teachings are are really great and they're very helpful and useful. Otherwise, I mean, like you know, he's worked with like the past like five presidents and like all these CEOs and stuff like what he's saying is, is good and makes sense and will make you a more effective leader. But I think it, he often abdicates his responsibility um, to be a leader that recognizes injustice and recognizes um, misogyny and recognizes uh, bigotry and recognizes and, and acts and, for the greater good of humans. Like, yeah, sure. You can be a great leader, but you still have a responsibility to, um, call out bullshit for others. And I and don't I think, think he talks Me about Too that. Movement, I think he's just maybe missing the mark on it because I, oh, like all the Me Too are. movement is, is yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like it's just more to, you know, raise awareness so that everybody sees how common it is. And it just, once it empowered some people to, to speak up, it started empowering everybody to just say, yeah, this happens way more often than we give it credit for. And nobody was like running to the police. But and, here's you know, the thing. I mean, some people were for the Harvey Weinstein, but realistically, a lot of people were just speaking out and saying, yeah, yeah this shit happens all the time. And and it was just so brave of all these people to come out and, and say, Hey, this is what happens to me. This is what happened to me. And it happens a lot in this industry, whether what, in whatever industry they're in, but now the solutions and the resolution to this is not on the victim's shoulders. It has to be with the perpetrators and other men. It's, we're never going to have these problems solved unless good men 
stop the bad men. And I say that and because like Martin some. Luther King, Martin Luther King said, um, what did he say? That uh, you won't remember whatever, but you'll remember like the silence. You won't remember the actions of your enemies, but you'll remember the silence of your friends. And that's what it is. Anyways, right. what were you going to say? I get real fired up. <laughs> I think there there are some men that are out there Absolutely. that are advocating, but I think a lot of um, men get defensive and feel like it's like an attack on them, right. and and they're like, you know, I haven't done any of these things. Whereas it's just we want you to recognize the small things, even incidents um, where women probably didn't even realize it was, you know, mm-hmm. a, a part of the Me Too or like being a sexual harassment. Like I was spanked when I was like 15, 16 years old. And the, when my manager told me to go downstairs and to go knead the dough, like as I went down the stairs. Your the manager stairs, spanked you? He spanked me. What? and And I was like Stop. 15 years old. And I just remember being like, that was, you know, I mean, and later I didn't say anything, anything because I was scared. He was my manager and I felt weird about it. And then another little girl, my age, 16 years old, um, he had done the same thing to her and she spoke up to the manager. And when she finally said something to, to our boss, our head boss, I, I spoke up too. And I said, yeah, he did something as well. And he ended up being fired immediately. But I mean, there's just things that I think happen to people that they're like, you know, we just kind of normalize and are like, oh yeah, he's just like this, you know, horny guy who can, who spanks me because he thinks it's acceptable. He didn't actually like hurt me or rape me or do anything that bad. It was just a little like pat on the butt. You know what I mean? But why yeah. are we normalizing actions like that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're going to be a good leader, Tony Robbins, I think you have to um, make sure you cultivate a culture in the workforce that feels safe and um, that there is no tolerance for um, obviously there can't be tolerance for sexual harassment, sexual assault, anything like that. And I think that's a given people are like, Oh yeah, no shit. But I think there has, it has to go a step further. There has to be a culture um, where women in general feel safe and uh, feel like their voice matters and feel like they're going to be listened to. I think, and I think that if you're going to be a leader, you have to keep that in mind. And I think, um, as a leader, you need to understand three aspects, one understanding, um, awareness and perspective, and then your intentions. And so what I mean by that is understanding the, the, the person through and through, their own lens, knowing that everybody's human, everybody's made mistakes, everybody has their own life and family and things going on. Okay, so you understand them that person through their lens. And then having your own awareness, how are you different than that person? And what are some triggers or things that you might have conflictions on, right? And so and being grounded yourself, like, why is this person frustrating you, you know, and being grounded, and then intentions, what are you what are your goals? with yeah. that person what's a solution for that and um people don't want to work on restorative practice and and work on mending relationships i think we're we've all become like this is my way and this is how it goes because i run the place where mm-hmm. i find is the best leaders are the leaders that do build those relationships and people you can really earn the respect of people because they're going to want to lift you up and they're going to want to you to be their leader because mm-hmm. they respect you yeah and i i just think you have to lead by example and you have to show your employees the way. And I think I don't want to keep talking about Tony Robbins, but what Tony Robbins did was was he was cultivating a culture of 
permissiveness with his employees. And he physically, if you watch the video, he physically intimidated that woman by walking. He's like seven feet tall. I saw that. He was walking towards her. What was the purpose of that? What was he doing? Why was he walking towards her like that? To assert his dominance. And I think that's unacceptable. I think that means he's saying with his body language to her, I am not listening to you. Your voice does not matter. That is what the message that came across. And I think that is not leadership. That is being a dictator. And that is being abusive. That is not leadership. People have a hard time, especially when they get to that top level of having people challenge them and challenge their ideas, especially at their own event. You know what I mean? He was he was so insecure and vulnerable at that moment because that woman was speaking out against him that he did not know how to handle that. And so he had to intimidate her in some way because that is not leadership speaking truth. No, it's not. That's not I lost a, a ton of respect for him. Yeah, and um, I'm going to burn his books. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just in the fire. They're in the fire. I'm just disappointed. I'm sad because I like, you know, I, he takes a lot of shit and stuff because like a lot of people just see him as like a, you know, one of those snake oil salesmen. But I don't really, I, I do find a lot of good lessons in his teachings and stuff. And, and you know, and I'm, <laughs> I don't know if people know this about me, but I'm kind of an Oprah fan. And, you know, I've seen a lot of what he said in, um, you know, in her work. Um, and I thought, you know, he's a little bit different than a lot of the other people um, just spewing, you know, platitudes and stuff. And, and I think that he um, has, you know, a lot of like psychology based teachings that you can implement in your life. But I, I just can't get on board with someone who has doesn't see their privilege and doesn't see that there are injustices in the world and it's not the victim's and fault. And can't see the world through another person's and, lens. And, and, and that's see, a yeah. big issue. And isn't willing to ever be wrong and, and thinking he has all the answers. Sure, he's got a lot of great insight and a lot of great wisdom. And I know he's like in his 50s and stuff. So he's lived a, a life where he can he can really teach a lot of people. But if you can't, if you think you have all the answers, you're done growing. You're dying. Exactly. And and that is not leadership. A leader would say, I hear what you're saying. Um, I don't necessarily agree with you or whatever. I don't know how he could disagree with that lady. And if you're uncomfortable, then you're growing. Right. And, and if somebody's challenging you and your ideas and you feel like, wow, this is a new space that I've never been in before, then you're growing and you and need he to just see that. adjust. No. So to me, that moves him from, okay, so, uh, you know, a, a guy that's full of wisdom to, yeah, now he is just a snake oil salesman. And that's sad. You lost a fan. Goodbye. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's leadership for me is all about communication, building relationships, building trust, um, and being able to accept feedback, um, being able to grow as a person, grow as a leader, never thinking you have all the answers. That, to me, makes a good leader. Knowing um, where to go to ask questions, don't not answering questions that you don't know the answer to without finding a a real answer somewhere. It's okay to say, I'm not sure, but I'm going to look into that for you. And and that's an okay statement rather than just, you know, spewing bullshit. And I think a lot of people don't want people to know that they don't know information. So they're like, Oh yeah. And they make up stuff. Don't do that. Just find an answer. It's okay to not know. And um, it's okay to be honest enough to say you're going to look into it, but then look into it and then give them the answer. Be someone that can be reliable. Right. Um, and will, you know, follow through on things too. That's another thing. Don't, don't be a flake. Um, I mean, that's, 
all I really have to say about leadership. I think we need to encourage better leadership in the corporate world, uh, more effective leadership, not leading by fear, but leading with respect and um, love. And that sounds crazy to say like, oh, love in the workplace. But I think so many people choose to lead with fear that it um, you'll never cultivate a good um, working uh, atmosphere if you lead with fear. You have to understand that everybody has their own lives and own baggage and are, you know, everybody's dealing with something at home. So you, you have to be able to address that. Yeah. And if you're not currently a leader, I know a lot of young people listen to this and they're probably not in leadership positions within their company. Um, find new creative ways to become a leader. Maybe that's starting some sort of, um, I don't know, I don't know, take on a project, ask for, uh, a, you know, to lead something, ask, just ask to be a leader and then go yeah. do it. Or, you know, and you know, it doesn't have to be, um, you don't have to step on anybody's toes or cut throats or anything like that. Um, but it's looking, it's actively looking for opportunities to showcase your leadership ability. And because if you're complacent and you're reactive, uh, you are never going to lead. Right. And that is that. <laughs> That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. And remember, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're doing your own thing, you're out on your own, you are the leader. You still have to display those characteristics. Uh, you still have to lead yourself and keep yourself, your own morale good. You, it's not, you know, you don't have to worry about a big team's morale, but you got to worry about your own morale. And, and keeping yourself on track and focused and, yeah. and doing, you know, organi organization and a whole bunch of other practice stuff. Those, even on. if it's just you, practice those leadership skills on yourself. That's, I mean, I think this episode is, who needs Tony Robbins when you got us? Right. I, also preparation. I think preparation, preparation is super important in becoming a leader. It shows, you know, that you, that you put care. in the time and effort to, to care. Yeah, absolutely. hundred. Keep it 100. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. Oh my God. Oh God. Oh, oh. we went, I went to a, 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 we can wrap up after this, but last night I went to a, a middle school play um, you know, just some kids that we know in the community that we wanted to support. And uh, my fiance, Kyle was trying to uh, fit in with the cool kids. And so he said the word redick. He was like, that's so redick. I'm like, I don't think redick is, is a word. And we should probably not abbreviate ridiculous because it sounds more ridiculous when you call it redick. So <laughs> we we're just trying to be cool, but we're, we we're unsuccessful. With oh my God. That's yeah. really funny. It's super funny. I, oh, I just, um, well, obviously I don't stay up late ever. Um, <laughs> but this morning I, I watched, uh, this week's episode of Saturday Night Live and there was one sketch they did with AD Bryant where, um, she, she's like, she's talking about being like this lame white girl, but when she listens to Cardi B, um, <laughs> she, <laughs> she becomes like assertive and sassy. And I was like, that, is exactly how I feel when I listen to rap music. Like I turn into someone else, like someone confident. And like, so I would say if you're going into an interview or something, or if you need to, you're about to give a presentation or speak in public, you should probably 
listen to Cardi B before you go in and she will get you ready to just like. Not this past job, but the job before. Before I went to the interview, I listened to the song, uh, you know, give it to me, I'm worth it. And I was like dancing. Like <laughs> the pussycat dolls? Yeah, it was worth the job. I was like, give it to me, I'm worth it. And I was like jamming out. And I went in and I felt really good about it. So I was like, yeah, give me a job, I'm worth it. Well, <sighs> you know what? I've been reading a lot about like, uh, you know, transforming your state of mind, especially if you like feel like you're procrastinating, if you don't feel great, you feel kind of depressed, whatever, like how music can really transform your mood. And like what music you choose to listen to um, can really change your state of mind. And so like now I'm only going to listen to Cardi B. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's, I don't know if that's a reasonable yes. solution. Hi, I am problematic. I am just another <laughs> problematic white girl. Um Yes. Okay. Anyways, that's pretty much all that I've got. It's Sunday when we're recording this. So please go enjoy the rest of your day, Ernie McCronut. I'm going to go on a hike. You're going on a hike? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to pretend it's spring, even though it's cold out. Yeah. Sorry about your coldness. Sucks. sucks. It's, warm. Right. it's warm down here in Georgia. I'll just put on a, a liquid blanket. A few beers will do the trick. <laughs> just hope I don't get lost in the woods. Yeah. Oh, don't get lost in the woods. Whatever you do. Okay. Oh, it's bear, bear season too. So I should need to really be careful. They smell your period. <laughs> they do. And I was told by our, my, our neighbors to, to make sure we don't have any bird feeders out because they're like serious. Oh, yeah. They're like bears are really out cutting around. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, that's a thing you have to worry about. So yeah. can you please like take your bird feeder in so that you don't get attacked by bears? <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Bye. I've been attacked by a bear. Oh, uh, and then okay, one more story, and then we'll end. Um, yeah. We have drunk birds. We have drunk cardinals. They eat the berries. They get drunk, and they keep smashing their head into our window. Please film uh, it. Please film. Yeah. <laughs> please it's terrible it's so sad to watch but i will next time I'll, I'll show it to you all right all right thank you for joining us we'll see you next time goodbye as always thank you for tuning in to get it together with katie hogan this podcast is a labor of love i currently don't make a dime off of so if you enjoy listening to the episodes please get on itunes subscribe and give us a review you can also follow us on twitter at get it together two zero or at katie hogan and that's Katie with a C because I'm special. And find us on Facebook at Get It Together with Katie Hogan. I love hearing from you and I really appreciate your support. You are my favorite gutter pigeons. See you next time.